0: Please sit comfortably. This talk tonight starts off uh, with a quote from Dogen Guidelines for Studying the Way, or in Japanese, Gakudo Yojinshu. And one of the first things that Dogen says about guidelines for studying the way is. Arousing the desire for practice, um, arousing the desire for living an awake life, where does that come from? And it's really based on his own experience, really, when you look at it and what aroused his great desire to practice and for awakening. And it's to do with recognising the transience of life, the ephemeral nature of life. And if I may remind you, um, Dogen's mother died when he was about seven years old. And when he was at the funeral, he saw the incense wafting and disappearing in that ephemeral way into the, into the atmosphere. He had a very profound sense of the, the fleetingness of life, the ephemeral nature of, of life. And his mother just passing like that at a young age. And so that's where you can see where his great motivation would come out of that experience. Well, I suppose someone else, it would not motivate them. It would lead them to some kind of deadening of their senses with drugs or alcohol or busyness or whatever and try to ignore that fact of life. There's many people who, most people probably, are trying to deny that fact of life to one degree or another. But when you face into it, and you clearly recognise the ephemeral nature of life, that's really where your real source of motivation comes from. So please look into it. Look into it every day of your life. What he says are false kind of motivations for practising is to do with some kind of self-gain. I'm going to achieve some special experience you know and I'm going to be blissed out and etc etc that that's a, that's a, a a gaining of something that's missing which he thinks is a false motivation but if you want to find the source of that motivation it's there every every moment of our life is to look into that ephemeral nature I had a um, an experience of this um, Yesterday it was actually, that's why I'm bringing it up today, but I had a a follow-up appointment with my cardiologist after my heart surgery earlier in the year, and he got me to do a a stress test, and the stress test came out very well, he was very happy with it. Um, But in the meantime, he said, oh yeah, but there's a couple of other organs in your body I'd like you to get tests on and check them out because maybe they're not so good either. And um, he's a he's a, a very well-known cardiologist. Um, his name is uh, Dr. Ross Walker. You may have heard of him. He's on um, radio, and you you might find it interesting to to tune into his radio shows. It's on um, 2GB at 7 p.m. on Sundays every Sunday. But um, Ross, as he's mentioned to me, has also been a, a meditator for about 28 years as well. And he's someone who is, you can see, he's integrated the practice of medicine into a into life, you know, rather than just being some narrow technological discipline. And the importance of, you know, people developing a sense of happiness and well-being in their life and health is part of that. And he, one of the things he was uh, telling me is that human beings really shouldn't be living past the age of about 30 um, because... We have the same genetic makeup as cavemen and cavewomen did thousands and thousands of years ago. And they only lived to about 30 or 40 and they usually died with a you know spear in the back in the jungle or something like that. And our genetic makeup doesn't really, um, it's not there to, for us to go on and on and on living. Do you know, it's got, we've got our use by date in a sense genetically. And so most of us are actually past our use-by-date, which is about 30. So if you got past 30, you're doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. And um, genetically, things break down in our body. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if we live, all we can do is live a, a healthy lifestyle, you know, and do things like meditate and eat well and exercise, and we may prolong that time. But genetically, everything is breaking down. You know, that transcends the body, and I guess I went away from this consultation um, with Ross, being being much more aware of the fleetingness of life, uh-huh. and um, that's what we all need to face in into. I could have five years of active life left, maybe ten years. Who knows? Same same with you, or one year. We, we don't really know um, but the older you get and the closer towards death that you get the more people start to many people not maybe everyone but many people actually start to appreciate their life more and I don't think from what the studies show it's because they've accumulated more knowledge it's because they know the horizon is very close you know it's very close up there, you can see it almost, and it's because the horizon is so close that every moment is precious. Mm-hmm. And I really want to give this talk tonight—not not so much for the more mature age people, but for the younger people, wherever you might be. Is I might only have ten years left. You've only got you've only got fifty years left. That's all. Only 50 years. right? 60 years at the most, that's all. It's a little blip. When you think of how the millions and millions of aeons that the Earth has been around, 50, 60 years is a little blip. Uh And when people are younger, somehow, when I think back, you kind of think you're you're bulletproof. But genetically, your body will break down like any body. And uh, it's important to realize this ephemeral nature of life as soon as you possibly can. Seven's a good age to do it. Twenty-five's a good age to do it. Thirty's a good age to do it. Uh-huh. Any age is a good date, date, time to do it. But the sooner you get it that life is ephemeral and passing away, that's good. Remember though that, that the, um, the the evening message I beg to urge you, everyone. Life and death is a grave matter. All things pass quickly away. Each of you must be completely alert, never neglectful, never indulgent. Mm-hmm. Um, a conversation I had with a friend recently who's retired, he said, I don't have a bucket list. I thought that was interesting. He said, I'm living my bucket list. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I don't have a bucket list. That doesn't have a need for one. Mm-hmm. And he's retired. He he's actually has an orchard on some acres and he looks after it. And um, he said he's just like a pig in mud with his orchard and he just loves going out there day and mucking around in it and, and getting it done. And he doesn't have any grand designs over and above that. Whereas I come across many other people who tell me who are retired and they've all got their bucket list, you know, and they're going to go to that winery and that restaurant and when COVID's over, they're going to travel overseas and they're going to jump out of out of um, aeroplanes, you know, bungee jumping and things like that. It's, it's kind of like um, accumulating special experiences, you know, or, or accumulating exciting experiences or accumulating perhaps experiences that other people would be envious of their life because they're doing such amazing things. But it's kind of like an idea of enlightenment or an, or happiness where you're gaining something. You know, the Heart Sutra tells us over and over and again, there's nothing to gain. But when we live like that, when we think that life is about having to tick the box for all these exciting, wonderful experiences we're going to have, one, you're kind of living in the future and, and you've ticked it off and you're ready for the next one. Okay, been there, done, been there, done that, what's the next one? It's like it's not even, life is not really savoured um, when we live it that way. And so a Zen life is, have, is like my friend said, it's like having no bucket list. You don't need a bucket list. Because you're living moment to moment in in the preciousness of life, you're not waiting to achieve something in the future that's going to make you happy. You know that you're here with time. Mm-hmm. A lot of our happiness and a lot of our well-being in life is to do with our relationship to time. It's always in the background, humming away there, um, but it's never in the forefront of our mind, and as Dogen reminds us in some of his other writings, is we are time. When most of us think of we're passing through time, we have a relationship with time. Dogen reminds us, I think, quite, quite clearly, uh, we are time. Mm-hmm. We are passing away, things are passing away, mm-hmm. rapidly. And if we... Everyone knows that, but the point of practice, the essence of practice, is to have a radical acceptance of that fact. And if you have a radical acceptance of that fact that every moment is passing away, then what goes along with it is there's no point clinging to anything. No point clinging to... Things or special experiences because they're just slipping through your fingers all the time. Mm -hmm. But if you realize you are time rather than you're having a relationship with time, it changes the whole dynamic. Mm -hmm. And because you're not trying to gain something, you open to what each moment unfolds for you in life. So, like I said, this talk is aimed mainly at however young you are. The more young you are, the more this talk is aimed at you. Uh Because possibly your death is not up there over the horizon. Uh But your life is passing away and passing away anyway. Uh You can have more wisdom perhaps At 30 or 40, you don't have to wait to develop that wisdom until you're 80 if you start younger.